Here we are, episode 56 of the Cuz I Have To podcast. When living your dream is the only option. I don't know if anybody knew that. It truly is the only option. It truly is. It truly. We have a huge guest and, you know, talk about manifesting something. I'm actually not really sure how I did it. But my Saturday, you've heard me talk about him. His name is Jim Fortin. He hosts the Jim Fortin podcast. Uh, he's a transformational coach, and his podcast is about transforming yourself from the inside out. I've been a part of his program called TCP or Transformational Coaching Program. It's a 14 week program. I'm in round number four, and I don't even know what to say other than somehow this Jim does not do things like this. And he doesn't do what he doesn't want to do. So we got him on. I don't know. What do you think, Jason? I, I don't know either. I think it's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a bit of a miracle. And I'm a yeah. little on the edge of my seat. Here are just some of the things we get into during this podcast. Not letting money be your master. Simply do what you love. Fight through your fear, how fear is stopping you in your tracks. Stop worrying about what other people think. Stop making everything so hard. Right. It's literally that plus many more. And I don't think you'll ask enjoy Jim this. to yeah. go to a bar with you. <laughs> yeah. That's more on that coming up. <laughs> Welcome to the Cuz I Have To podcast, where living your dream is the only option. We're your hosts. I'm Julie Slater. And I'm Jason Friday. And we've been scouring the earth for people living their dharma so we can share their stories with you. And hopefully we help you find your dharma. Let's do it. Well, Jim, we have you on the podcast because it is all about uh, people finding their dharma, finding their truest passions. And you are my sensei. I've been studying with you. I want to help the people that are listening to our podcast find out how you got to where you are. Like, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. You grew up on a farm and then you became a political science major. You were uh, you were a frat guy, yeah. uh, w worked at the White House during the Jimmy Carter years, then you were teaching. No, no, sales no, no, no. That was ap after the after the White House. I'm not that old, yeah. oh. so oh. <laughs> I was in middle school when he's in the White House. But go ahead, oh. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you also were teaching sales psychology, and then all all this now you're you run the Jim Fortin podcast where it's transformation from the inside out. Yeah. How how did you get to where you're where you are at? Like, what, do you even have still parts of yourself? from those old days in you because it's like you're you just keep transforming into something something different and i'm just wondering you know people don't know how to i guess move in a different direction and how do you do it okay so let's back up here and take this apart what do you mean when you say how did you get to where you are now i guess i want to like did you ever did you ever dream of yourself being where you're at now is that mm -hmm. is, did it just kind of unfold for you well, that's something, that's a great question. That's something that's really simple that most people make really hard is I do what I love. That's the end of it is I do what I love. And most people won't do what they love. They live out of fear. And I have to pay this bill and that bill and do this and I can't do that and all these kind of things. And I have never been that person. So I do what I love when I, when I love it. And I will do TCP as long as I love it. And then when I don't, I won't do it anymore. Or we'll have other people take it over or whatever because of the size that it's grown to. But it's not like I had planned any of this or looked for it or had a goal for it or any of that. That's just that's just not the case. The case is, is that I lived in the moment. I did what I want wanted to do and want to do currently. And wherever that ends up is where it ends up. So I don't have any expectations about where it's going to end up. And even where it's going to end up, I might not be the one running it. I might have other people run it. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. So how did I get here is back to what I started with is I just do what I love. 
And that's as simple as that. But people, like I said, people won't do what they love because out of fear, the masses. Right. And how do you how do you tell someone to recognize that fear? How do how do you tell them to move past it? And that's a good question. How do they know uh, it's those, fear? Those are really good questions. And how do they know it's fear? Because they know it's fear. I'm I'm afraid to change jobs. I'm afraid to become an artist. I'm afraid to do X, Y, Z. That's fear related. And people love very complex answers. Give me three steps. Give me three ways. Tell me how blah, you tell me how you did. Oh, it's so hard. Make it simple, and that if you want to start something new, then just go start something new. But people won't do that, and then they'll give you every reason as to why they can't do it, and then they wonder why it's so hard. Why? Look at all the reasons you just gave as to why you can't do it, and now it's hard for you because of that. So let's go back again, and 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 I'm, I'm doing this for a reason, keeping it really simple. Is the formula is do what you love. And don't do what you don't love. But most people listening, 80% of people listening to this podcast don't love what they do. They do it for money. They do it for, they think, survival and security. And yet, they spend their entire life in survival mode because they do it for survival. Most people don't, um, how does that phrase go? They live to work, work to live. Most people live their whole lives working. Yeah, I don't, I don't live right. to work. I live to live and work is my passion. And that's because I don't, I don't even like, I was thinking a few days ago, I don't even like that word work. How is it we come to a world where you have to, everyone, everyone all over the world has to go to work, you know? And I don't, I don't work. I don't work. I do what I love. And I look at artists, like in my transformational program, which you're in, that do what they love. And they're afraid to until I get in the program and they open up and then they're like, I didn't realize it could be this good. I didn't realize my art was that good. I didn't, re- and money starts coming to them, like Joan, who has, I think, a seven-month waiting list now. But when she came to me three years ago and started PCT, she was living, I believe, on a pension as a retired school teacher and just painting on the side. Wow. Yeah, and now because she's do, she found her calling. She's doing what she loves as an artist. I believe her waiting list is something like seven months long. But not only that. I think her art is anywhere from seven and a half to fifteen thousand dollars a piece at this point. But it's yeah, not that she, yeah, she didn't set out to create that. And that's right. the way you asked that question came from you means that that's probably the way the world works. Is everyone wants to create something and then look for all these ways. And the best example for business is you look at somebody like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs didn't think about how can I create a multi-billion-dollar company. He just yeah. did what he loved every day. Right? How can I, you know, I was thinking yesterday about Steve Jobs and what if Steve Jobs, and I was, I was watching something else. I was watching an old TV show and it was in the seventies, I believe it was a sitcom. And that was before cell phones or any of this kind of stuff we had back then. And I bet you Steve Jobs never even in the eighties said, okay, no, this is what it was. I was watching uh, just part of the matrix last night from 1997. And or in 98 or 99, whatever it was. And when Neo opened it or got the phone and the FedEx, it was a Nokia phone. And I bet you, Steve, where's Nokia today? And I bet you, Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right. I bet you, Steve Jobs didn't say, oh, let me conquer and dominate the global cell phone market and connect the entire planet. But the guy did what he loves to do. And as a result of, you know, loving what he did, look where we are today. That's right. a really simple formula we miss. But so, again, because it goes back, I'm going to create more podcast episodes on this. People will fight and argue all day long when I tell them they've made money their master. And they don't like that. They don't like the way it sounds. But it's the truth, which I did a podcast last night for release next week or so. If you say, I have to go to, to work tomorrow and I've got to go to a job and I hate my job. But I have to go because I've got kids and I've got bills. Money's your master. You're bowing down to what the money gives you. And most people give up their lives and their happiness to bow down to money. Longer yeah, answer so we, than you expected, but that's where that's where I live from. Would you say that in your lifetime that money was never your master? Did you always have no, this? No, yeah. not at all. Many years ago, money was absolutely my master. And I worked with a, an entrepreneur in Texas. And money was his master. And very quickly, I've not told this really publicly, not for any reason other than I just haven't, is he just got out of prison for his third time. 
he, wow. and I knew him years ago and I figured out what he was doing and I'm like, I'm not going to work around him. Once I kind of saw what he was doing, he was doing Ponzi schemes and he was well known in Texas. So he could do them and pull them off like Bernie Madoff. And he pulled off well, the largest Ponzi scheme in the state of Texas. And I'd already got a, I'd already got a whiff of what he was doing prior. And I left because I'm like, I think he's doing something illegal here. And if he is, the FBI is going to come in at some point. And I left. I moved. That's why I literally moved to Atlanta, Georgia, to get away from him as far as I could. And I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years later, guess what? The FBI came in, and he went to prison. And then he got out. For, he went for seven years and got out and started the same schemes again and went to prison again for seven years and got out and started the same schemes again and went to prison again. And I look back at all that to tie into your story. Is when I which is in my twenties when I met him, early twenties. Is yeah, I was chasing money because he was a sports celebrity and he knew a lot of people that were very famous that I was around for many years when I was in my early twenties. And I mean, I used to play, used to play golf at Willie Nelson's, you know. And I was chasing what I thought people chased: success and money and all those things. And when I left all that, I'm like, that's not the way. And that was thirty years ago or whatever it was. But I, I did chase it. And we're, we're, we're taught to chase it in the world that we live in because your parents tell you, like both of you, you have to be successful and you have to get a job and you have to go to college and you have to do this and you have to do that. And then you got to provide for a home and all these kind of things. And we're, we're literally hypnotized to chase that. And it keeps us in prison. I didn't know the call was, our time was going to go here, but this is something that a lot of people need to hear is it keeps people trapped when we, when we chase that. Yeah. I guess, like, if someone, so you want to do what you love, but I, I guess the hard thing for a lot of people is, you know, cool, I want to do what I love, but how do I pay my rent? See, even asking that question is the problem. If you think back to, and he's not sitting here with us, but if you think back or you look at people that do extraordinary things, let's go to one of the most influential people in human history. And he died broke because he wasn't a good business person. But without him, we would not be talking right now. And that's Nikola Tesla. Right. And wow. he literally didn't have money because he was literally abused by people like J.P. Morgan. And Nikola Tesla wanted to give the world free electricity, free energy in the early, early 1900s. And he showed J.P. Morgan, who was one of his financiers, what he was doing. And we pay for electricity now because of J.P. Morgan. Because J.P. Morgan said, where do you put a meter on it? When Nikola Tesla had discovered how to bring free energy and electricity to the world. But the point was, to your question, I know some people that have done extraordinary things on the planet. And some of them have money. Some of them don't have money. But they don't stop what they're doing because they don't have money. But if they don't have money, you're actually combining things when they're not to be combined. Money is not a result of what we create or don't create in the world. Money is consciousness. Money is energy. And I know people that create great things and have a lot of money and people that create great things and have no money. But that has nothing to do with the great things they've created because some people who have great things have a lot of money. Some people who create great things don't. So that doesn't mean if you create great things, you're going to have money or not have money. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. It yeah. does, I, to a degree, I, yeah, right? I, yeah, of course. And, and I work from, let me do what I do, and money will just come as a result because money comes from consciousness, not from the work. And even though I'm doing the work, so to speak, meaning the transformational programs in my podcast, money comes in millions upon millions per year because I create expansion for people. I create growth for people. And to simplify that, when you create growth for people, they will pay you. You think about why you go to college and you pay the university or college or school a lot of money. And you go to college to create growth for yourself, right? Because we're told, go to college and get that engineering yeah. degree or law degree or yeah. this degree or business degree or whatever, and then you can get a better life. So you're investing right. in the growth for yourself. But when you can create growth for people, people will pay you all day long and yeah, I'll leave it at that. So I don't go out chasing money. I just do what I love, which is actually creating growth for people. And as a result, people pay me to take them to higher and, and different levels in life. It's a beautiful thing. It's simple. 
it's simple. It is simple. Yeah, Simplicity yeah, is key, right? So I mean, that hard. makes yeah, yeah, that <laughs> makes simple. sense though. <laughs> Simplicity is key, and we make things so hard. I mean, yeah. I grew I grew up that way. Most of us have grown up that way. And then what happens to a lot of people is they make it harder because they listen to other people. Can't do that because my mom and dad are not going to approve of that. I can't be an artist because my mom and dad are going to say, I can't do, how are you going to make money at that? And we live, right? You know, we live our lives trapped with these beliefs from people who live miserable lives themselves. Right. You guys know this. Julia yeah, yeah. knows this. Is that in the program, we have a lot of people from India and it's a caste system. And a lot of people that are in the program are bucking the cast, meaning, no, I'm not getting married. I don't want to get married. No, I'm not marrying him. I'm not marrying her. And in that culture, when your parents tell you you're getting married, you're marrying that person. You don't even know them. You're marrying them. Yeah. And right. people in the program are saying, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it. And what they're learning is, guess what? Mom and dad will get over it. They'll get over right. it. They might not like it, but they'll get over it. But people listening, so many people are afraid to do what their heart's calling is because of what other people are going to say to them or about them. So therefore, the people saying things to them or about them can be unhappy or miserable or trapped. And I'll listen to that happy or miserable trapped person and also live my life like them. them. And then we get to the end of our life and people say, what are top five regrets for Facebook? Oh, not li- all the things we talked about 50 years ago, not living your passion, not being you, not following your goals and wishes and wants and aspirations. Anyway, that's, I don't know how we got here, but that's where we are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, A big thing that you say that really hits, I mean, it hit really hard for me, but I would imagine your listeners that everything in your life is a choice and something you created. Like a lot of people walk around being unhappy and I, and, and I believe you said, you know, your thing is you can the happiness is a choice. Why do you think so many people choose not to be happy? No one consciously chooses not yeah. to be happy for the most part. It's completely unconscious and based upon our paradigms. This makes me happy. That doesn't make me happy. A big part of it, though, is the happy, happiness is created in the space between our story of where our life is and what we think our life should be. And that space in the middle is our unhappy space. And that's ex- expectation about life or how it's supposed to be. So it's not that we all say, well, I want to be unhappy today. It's unhappy because we're not getting what we think that we want, but we're the one who's trapped ourselves in prison, not getting what we want. Therefore, I'm going to spend my life unhappy. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people that we talk to or yeah. some friends that I know trying to pursue, you know, the whole thing is, well, what is my dharma? What is my dharma? What is a piece of advice you would give someone? First, that's a ridiculous question. Well, is what, am I, what is my dharma? Because yeah. your dharma is sitting right in front of your eyes, but it's that we don't acknowledge it. Our dharma could be, for example, and, you know, Julie, you've seen this, people in TCP that will put their painting, like their their art, and other people are like, oh my gosh. And they'll say, well, that's my dream is to, to paint, but I'm, I'm a, I work for a corporation as an HR analyst or whatever it is. Your dharma is always right in front of you, always. I mean, do you love to bake? And people will say, well, how, how do I make, well, look at the cake balls, you know, on Netflix or whatever it is. I've only seen one of his shows, but the guy lives his passion, his creativity and his, and his baking, right? But we will say things like, well, which we've learned from our parents, you can't make money at that. So the, the Dharma is always right in front of us. It's a, it's a matter of whether or not we step into that Dharma and live it. And then you look at Tesla. He lived his Dharma. You look at... Um, jobs. That guy lived his dharma. He lived what his calling is. So it's right there. I mean, for example, what if I went to Steve Jobs 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when he was almost broke, and I said, tell you what, don't do all this computer mumbo jumbo. Computers aren't going to make it. Why don't I give you $100 million and you can become a real estate investor? What do you think he would have done? He probably would have said no, because his passion and his dharma was in technology and design and the things that were, you know, the foundation for Apple now. Right. So it's in front of us. Yeah. He, but we have right. to be He's, cra- he that's, stayed that's, true. Yeah, we have to be courageous. Right. And if we, if we stop right there and slow down, you look at people who do great things in life and the world, and they are the ones who stay true to what they know their calling, their mission, 
their message or their way of life is. And you can go through history and you can find Nelson Mandela. You can find Oprah Winfrey. Look at politics. I mean, look at every American president. I mean, they're committed to something and for somehow it works in some way with some amount of the population. But you look at people like, you know, Mandela. Look at Gandhi. I mean, what if Gandhi had said, you know, what, what, 70 years ago? I don't know how many years ago, back in the 40s. He said, oh, this stuff about India, I got better things to do. I, I want to go make some money. You know, I don't want to do this. Where would the world be today, you know? <laughs> sure. So, you know, you, Jason, right? Yeah. You really hit it in that they stay true to what their calling is. And to stay right. true, that takes courage. Sure. Because people yeah. are going to tear you down. People are going to tell you no. And my friend Akio Matsumura, who has brought together 1,000 world leaders over six times, and I mean the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa when she was alive, he had global luminaries at his events, uh, Carl Sagan when he was alive, Gandhi's grandkids, Thor Heyerdahl, the, uh, the founder of the Green Movement. I mean, global icons at his events. Mikhail Gorbachev, 10% of the U.S. Senate one time. And no matter what, he stays true to his mission of how can I create human commonality on the planet? How can I bring Gorbachev together and the Dalai Lama in the same room, which Akio did in 1992? How can I introduce, which he did, Rabin and Arafat in Jericho in 1996? I mean, come on, the Palestinians and the Jews. And he brings them the, the first person in history to bring them together in the same room. And he's a personal friend of mine. He stays in my home, and I've watched him over the years. And right now, his big message is people don't recognize how bad Fukushima is and really what's happening. People have forgotten about Fukushima, uh, the masses. And he's like, the Japanese, and I haven't, followed, I haven't asked him in a year or so, but he gets the Japanese are, are dumping like 30,000 gallons of water per day that's radioactive into the Pacific Ocean. But here's the thing. Here's why I'm mentioning this is Akio really doesn't have any financial wherewithal or financial strength. And he's really in a challenged place financially. And there are a lot of things he can do with his background and his connections, but he won't do it because his calling is to create better relationships amongst humanity on the planet, no matter what. That's intense. Well, and those are, <laughs> yeah. those are people with huge, huge callings. I guess I'm trying to get to the person who the average person who might not be trying to save the planet or the world. Oh, who says we... they don't have a huge calling if they'd open up to it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? And I think everyone's calling is huge to them. It's their life sure. they're living, right? So the way you're asking that question is, is this, I would expect it to be asked that way, and that's normal. But the reality is, is I think it was Marianne Williamson who said something along the lines of, it's not our darkness in us that scares us, it's our lightness in us. Mm. And, you know, every human being has the capacity, you know, one person can change the world, one person. And I'm going to use this example, not on Facebook, because I got censored on Facebook for this one time, making a generic comment, but you look at Hitler, he was one person who changed right. the world, but in a very negative way, obviously. Uh, right. A very destructive and dark way. But you know what? What would have happened if Hitler never would have been born? Then what would have happened? And would World War II have happened? And would 80 million people have died? And then would their generations after them have died? Would all the things in the world that happened happen as a result if Hitler never showed up on the planet? Or the opposite end, Steve Jobs or Henry Ford or Nikola Tesla. One person can change the world. And I'll share this with you also. These people that do great things, they don't see themselves as great people because I know some of them and I've been around some of them. They just mm -hmm. see themselves as, hey, I'm just doing what I do. I'm out in my shop, so to speak, you know, shop, so to speak, tinkering. That's what I love to do. No, these people don't ever get caught up. You look at, you look at Steve Jobs. When he left the planet, what was he worth? Maybe like $5 billion? Not a lot compared yeah. to what he did on the planet, right? I mean, I think Apple, well, I don't know if it is now, but Apple like two years ago was a, the most highly valued company in the world of like $238 billion. And I think that's surpassed by Elon's, Musk, Elon's personal checkbook at this point. 
But you look at you look at um, Amazon. I never know how to say his name. Bezos, Bezos, whatever his name is. Bezos, People say it differently. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and do you think many years ago he said, "I'm going to change the world"? I mean, I don't know. He, he might have right? when he was in that garage. <laughs> Maybe. I but, guess. Yeah. yeah. People, the people that do great things don't get into the ego of, oh, as a result of doing a great thing, I'm going to have all the adulation. Those are people who do okay things sometimes because I see it as a professional speaker. People do okay, but the most impactful speakers are the ones that do it because they love what they do and they have a message. Right. And they're being them while doing it. It doesn't get any easier than that, Jason. The hardest thing is trying to be someone else for other people while you're doing it. That's hard. It's yeah. hard. It's work. It's exhausting. Right. So Julie knows in my program, I just say what I want to say when I want to say it, how I want to say it. You don't like it? It's not my problem. You know, it's not my problem <laughs> sure. whether people like it or yeah. don't like it. I don't care. And it's their stuff, not mine. And I'm not picking on right. people and I'm not saying, I'm not calling, you know, I mean, it's air quote normal stuff, but people take things offensively and I don't care and got time for it. Next. And she knows that because he's been around me for a while. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. I love, I hear about it and I go, that, that guy's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty love straightforward. That, yeah, you man. Gotta, I love gotta, it. It's you, great. You, you got to everyone. And it's, it's such freedom. You got to speak your truth. You've got, sure. to, because whatever your truth is, and some people will get locked up like Nelson Mandela, but look what he did. And then, you know, I don't know what you guys know or don't know or people know, but, you know, South Africa was a horrible place for many years under apartheid. You know, I mean, it was basically almost, I mean, black people who were from there and obviously part of the culture were subjugated to a very small white minority and controlled and, and all this kind of things. And years prior, Nelson Mandela's like, I'm speaking up against all this. I'm speaking out. One guy right. changed yeah. part of the world in some yeah. way. So, you know, Julie, back to your very original question, I think, or questions, is just do what you love and be who you are. And you could find that in any, any children's storybook. But it's so simple, people miss it. Dr. Seuss kind of said it. I think he was a racist, though, too. What they're discovering now. But anyway, yeah, is, like I don't know. I don't know. But, but, it is something like but, that, yeah. Yeah, so who knows? But it's, it's all around us, but we miss it. Right. Yeah, you, make it, you do make it sound so simple. But Stop right so there again. People... Stop right yeah. there. You make it sound so simple. Who said because it's not it's... simple? Yeah. Working from that place is implying that it's hard and I'm making it simple. Yeah, I think, yeah, all right. You got me, Jim. <laughs> think about me. that. <laughs> think about that. And now the people listening are saying, oh, you, you make it sound so simple. It is simple. It is simple. And I, and I, right. and I know that because I'm going to tell you right now, I am not going to waste the energy to make it hard to chase the life that I want to have to work and work and, and nose to the grindstone and nose, I, I ain't doing it. Why? I didn't come to the planet to be a donkey, you know? I mean, a, a workhorse. I'm not going to do it. And people yeah. make it so hard. So let's put it this way. It is simple when we allow it to be simple. I love it. Huh. So if, some, if you're pursuing something and you come up to a lot of roadblocks, I guess sometimes I wonder, how do you know, how do you know to keep going or whether that's what you should be doing? Okay. Um, I don't understand your question. You know, I sometimes think I do, things but... don't, aren't easy, but are, are you saying that maybe there's a chance it's just you making it difficult? No, that's not, I'm, I'm not uh, saying there's a chance. It is you making yeah. it difficult. Mm. Is I have seen people do extraordinary things that most people will never even could, could conceive of. I was telling somebody recently about a former student of mine years ago. I need to reach back out to him. But when he was 57 years old, he had a heart attack. He got out of the hospital, and three weeks later, he started running a marathon. But here's the thing, and his name is Terry Hitchcock. Terry didn't just run a marathon three weeks later with no training, three weeks after getting out of the hospital with a heart attack and no training, being 57 years old and not really in great physical shape. He didn't run a marathon. He ran 75 consecutive marathons. For 75 days in a row, he ran at least 26 miles every single day for 75 days. There's a movie about him on YouTube. I think it's called My Run. And I've known Terry since 
1995 or no, 2005 or so. But he ran from, during the Olympics in 1996, he ran from Minneapolis, Minnesota to Atlanta, Georgia. He ran, he ran halfway across the country in 75 days. And then we look at, other people would say, that's hell, it's too hard for me to work out for 30 minutes. And this guy ran 26 miles per day for 75 days. And this is what I go back to. It's all mental. It's all mental. Let that soak in. It's all mental. Everything, every fear you have is mental. Every anger you have is mental. Every block you have is mental. And it doesn't mean that it's not there in terms of an obstacle. What is there, though, relative to the obstacle is what you put there. So you look at Viktor Frankl, meaning of life. You know, he said back in the 40s, is something that no one can take away from you is your power of thought, your power of at least choosing what you're going to think. And everyone listening has the power to choose what they think. And that's a huge, it's for people listening, a huge part of Jim's TCP program is you can reprogram your brain and mind and your, reprogram your thoughts. You know, if you think about negative things all day, you just keep creating more negative things. But if you choose, I love the what if, you know, where a lot of people worry about something. Oh, my God, what if this happens? And then you are like, well, what if something positive happens? <laughs> I what use if it that doesn't? all the time. Yeah. yeah. What, if, what if it doesn't happen? And I, I, when I look at that, so you know that I had heart failure and a stroke. A stroke a year ago this month, heart failure a year and a half ago. And so what I went into a little bit is what if I had a second stroke? Because doctors are trying to scare me and everything. I, I didn't buy into a lot of it. After the first, when I had the, the heart failure, doctors said, you're going to be a, I think it's called chronic CHF, chronic heart failure for the rest of your life. That's not true. My heart today is stronger than most people's according to uh, cardiological tests. I'm, I'm perfectly healthy. And after the stroke, the neurologist was saying, well, you could have a second stroke and all these kind of things. And so then I went into, what if the, the neurologist is right and I had a second stroke? What if then? Well, what if is, what if? I don't know. Yeah. Why would I even get, why would I even entertain that? You know, why would I waste my time and energy staying? Because I'll tell you this, there are a lot of things that happen in life and you're not like, oh, what if that's going to happen? Well, no, it just happened. It's not what if it's going to, it just happened. And you're in it in that moment. And so I don't worry about those things. What if? Well, guess what? What if? Then something else will happen in life. And then something else will happen in life. And what if? What, it's, 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 it's useless to waste our time in what if. Because what if the opposite happens, right? Right. What if, yeah. you know, so I, I just don't waste my time or energy going into the what if. It's a waste of time and of energy. Now, with these medical issues, did you ever have any moments of like, why is this shit happening to me? No, not at all. No. None. None. Is your body doesn't lie. Your body always tells you the truth. So, and that's victim mentality. Why me? Why me? No, I'm not once that I ever say why me. And it doesn't matter why me. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter because even if I could figure out the why me, how does that fix what just happened? It doesn't. It's not related. All that's related is how do I heal myself? That's it. And honestly, why me is so that when I talk about healing, I'm an expert at healing. I'm not one of those people up on stage talking about healing and never had to really heal myself before. When you've got to heal your brain and your heart, that's some serious healing to do. I did it. You know, I did it. And so when I talk about healing anything, cancer or stroke or this or heart, or, I know what I'm talking about because I've been there. I've been in the mud, metaphorically speaking. And I never, ever let myself go into poor me. Why me? Oh, this is so bad. Never one time. And then I even, you know, realized and thought about what if it kills me? So what? What if something's going to kill me? It doesn't matter what's going to kill me. Something is going to kill me at some point. I'm going to leave this planet. So what does it matter? Now, if I had choices, I'd say airplane, no thanks. I'll pass on that one. Fire, I'll pass on that one. You know, just shoot yeah. me or something. Keep it simple and fast, <laughs> you know? But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to leave the planet. So I don't, I don't get into what if, what if, what if, what if. <laughs> That's just, it's just a waste of time and energy to get into that. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, I agree. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. 
Okay, so I do want to just do. We I only have, we have some limited time um, with you, and I just want to also say we so appreciate you coming onto the podcast. Thank you for it the means invite. The world. I mean, you. Yeah, absolutely. Are my sensei, and I love you. No, um, I'm, oh, I, I love you too, but no, I'm not. And <laughs> oh, do you hate the word sensei? No, no, I don't. I mean, I've had a sensei before. I mean, uh, when I yeah. was doing uh, kung fu, but. No, I, I'm not any of those things that people give me, you know, um, is, is there a word called attribution or they attribute yeah. to me? Yeah. There we go. I, yeah. it, I it, you know, I tell people is that you've heard me say before is all that I'm doing is I'm the guide. That's it. And you can, you know, Julie, you've seen even in the program, everyone gets something. It's just a matter of to what degree they get it. You know, and some people will tell you, oh, my God, I've had extraordinary changes very, very quickly. Some people will say, well, I'm just getting a bunch of, you know, I got two little wins. Well, then what's the crap in your way that this other person getting huge breakthroughs and you get two little wins, even though they're big wins over time? That's you. And so, you know, people say I'm the sensei. Well, if somebody only gets two wins, I'm a bad sensei, you know? (laughs) So it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) Only two? What? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly, Jason. It's not me. All I do is say, here, here, the best example of this is here's the buffet, eat what you want. And what a lot of people do is say, oh, I'll have. Now, this is a big buffet. You can have anything you want, lobster, caviar, anything. Some people will go and they'll come back with two rich crackers and a piece of cheese, you know? But that's their choice. It's not my, yeah. you know, that's, that's their choice when I offer them the entire buffet. So are you right. saying in TCP, if you don't have these huge breakthroughs, it's just you stopping yourself from having Correct. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Is because everyone can have breakthroughs wherever you are in life. You know, we look at people like, for example, I don't follow him, um, but the big tall guy who's real famous in the personal development industry, it would be ridiculous to think that he is the end-all be-all. And the reason why is because every human being can grow and evolve. I remember watching 2020 one time, maybe a decade ago, 15 years ago, and Barbara Walters was interviewing the Dalai Lama, and she said to him, do you think you're enlightened? And he said, oh, no, absolutely not. That's humbleness. And he's saying, yeah. I have a lot of room to grow. And when people don't grow, it's because they're choosing not to grow. Now, I want to segue there. For the most part, no one makes the conscious choice to say, oh, I don't want to grow. I don't want a better life. It's the fears that keep them from doing it. And we are reflective beings. We can choose, we, you can choose anything you want at any given moment. It's that they're choosing to stay in their old ways that keep them trapped because they're afraid of choosing a new way that will create something else for them. I mean, that's perfectly said, and it makes sense. <laughs> it's, so, it's so simple. As we said earlier, it's like simplicity. That's all that it is. Right. Yeah. And, and we, 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 Julie's seen this in the program. People, Shoot me already. People love to complicate things. They love yeah. to take something as simple as, you know, okay, I've got this pen on my desk. So we could say, this is a pen. That's it. What some people do is go, well, that's a particular writing instrument. And did you know that the pens were made in 1627 and the person who made the first pen was a blah, 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 blah. And you have seven different colors of ink. And on Tuesday, you can use this color. On Wednesday, you can use that color. But on a full moon, you can't use that color on a full moon. And when you use the pen, you can only use it upside down when you're standing on your head on the 4th of July. You know, I mean, they make everything so hard. Yeah. And it's just... Give me the pen. Let me write a note. That's it. That's it. You know, but <laughs> right. we make it so hard on ourselves. Stop making everything hard. Face well, that's what you really heard me say is stop. Just stop it already. Stop Just it. Stop, right. Because, because people with the amount of people that I work with, it can be challenging because let's say like the big tall guy, he might be on a big stage and have 5,000 people in the audience, but you know what? He's not metaphorically down in the audience helping Susan or Bob. He will do things to do hot, uh, I call them hot seats in the audience. But for the most part, you'll get the small amount of people that will get the personal attention or the support. And then you'll have 5,000 other people just sitting there watching and not really 
having any interaction. And I interact in my groups. I'm in my groups every day and I interact and I know what's going on. And it's so interesting to watch how much stuff people get into. And it can be taxing if I let myself get pulled in. And this is what I tell people is, you know, you can sit there and you can spin your wheels all day long. You're not wearing me out. You're wearing yourself out. You're not wearing the world out. You're wearing yourself out. And I've come to a place in my life where if you want to wear yourself out, knock yourself out. I'm not going to sit here and kill myself trying to help someone when they all they want to do is wear themselves out. So I observe. Yeah. I let people have their experience of life. And then when they're ready, okay, let's go. Get in the car. Let's go. But I'm not going to fight you to get in the car. Right. Yeah. Mm, make it easy. Make it easy, <laughs> listener. Make it easy. <laughs> well, it's interesting. How come you keep going back to that? Well, because I'm struggling with things. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. the things are harder and and I definitely feel myself... I definitely have, oh, if I get that. And, you know, I, I've been re-listening to some of the hot seats you recently had of mm-hmm. of people in overwhelm and, and oh, if I only did these couple of things, then that will work out. And I guess trying to figure out what how much of overwhelm is overcommitting, how much of it is not prioritizing things. I do think with my career, I think a few things like if I do this or do that, you know, and I, I'm working with two big, I'm a voiceover artist and working with two big mm-hmm. voiceover coaches, but I find myself resisting. I'm resisting a lot of, I'm just going right into <laughs> my own issues here. But you know, what, what you're doing lot. is what a lot of people do is you're overthinking and overthinking yeah. and overthinking. And number one is I never say things are hard anymore. I don't. I can't remember the last time when I said this is hard. I just basically say it is what it is. When I got out of the hospital with the heart failure, that was um, that was a challenge. But I never went through, oh, this is hard. This is hard. No, I, n- I never got into any of that. I simply got into, or, or, or my thoughts were, it is what it is today. Let me just keep on doing what I'm doing. And even in what you just presented to me, you had 10 different thoughts rolled into that. And you're asking yourself 10 different things. and ten di- So you've got 10, 10 things you have to manage and handle before you can even do one thing. So why not just do what you love? And if, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Working in the industry you're working in, but look around the people that have become very successful in the industry. They're people that simply just do what their calling is, what they love to do. And that's where we have to keep it. Yeah, I guess it's, um, for me, I'm just constantly being told by other people how difficult it is to... Like it's a very difficult, very competitive, very difficult. Okay, and- so so what? Ask, <laughs> ask ask Ashton Kutcher that Kutcher, whatever his name is. He's I don't know that he's a great actor, but you know what? The guy was just plucked out of a bar. Uh, and they sent yeah. him to acting classes because he couldn't act, and he was some model scout found him. And I remember I trained at this company many years ago, and there was this. I remember her name was Naomi. And I was teaching them some ways to be persuasive and influential on the phone. It was a telemarketing company. Uh, they did only um, inbound calls, many people would call. So this Naomi told me that a woman sat next to her, next cubicle, and the woman would have a call with this particular customer, client, company. And the woman would always get off the phone and say, oh, ah, they're so hard to work with. They're so hard to work with. When that woman quit the company, Naomi acquired her account. And she goes, the first call that I had with that account, I was dreading it because I'm like, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be a hard client. She goes, I got on that call and it's the easiest client I've ever had. So just because other people tell you, I don't listen to other people because other people have no clue what they're talking about. If the masses are running left, and the master will tell you, you have to run left, I'm going to run right. Because if you don't believe me, look at the world we live in. The masses are wrong 99% of the time. That's why they are the masses. That's harsh to say that. But there's a movie that I, I it's one of my favorites uh, with Chris Farley back from the 90s called Tommy Boy. And oh my God. You, so Jason remembers, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> when they were in the elevator with Mr. Zelensky, who was Dan Aykroyd in the movie, Dan Aykroyd said something that was extraordinarily profound. It was just a line in the movie, but it's extraordinarily profound. I'm not meaning to take away from anyone that is um, an air quote working person. I don't mean it that way. I mean, my, my grandfather was, my father was. I mean, they worked hard. They were salt of the earth, all this kind of stuff. We need that in the world. Everyone plays a role. 
But Ray Zielinski said, the character said, what the working man doesn't know is what makes him the working man. Ponder that. Now, the world doesn't know how to be successful. If the world did, then in the U.S., 78% of people would not be living paycheck to paycheck, scraping by. People don't know how to be healthy. If they did, 80% of the U.S. population wouldn't be overweight. So this is the masses and what the masses don't know. Why would I listen to the masses? Why would I, listen, why would I let people tell me their limitations? And why would I accept their limitations as my limitations? Right. How do you know the difference um, when you're resisting something that it's not, maybe you're, you don't really want to be doing that or it's fear? Why would you resist it if you didn't want to do it? Well, like, uh, you know, I'm going to say in my, the voiceover business, there's a lot of marketing that you need to be, you know, I'm being told you need to be doing. Right. And maybe I'm resisting some of it. Then how do you know, like, and then everyone's, well, that's the full package of being a voiceover artist. got to do all this marketing and blah, blah, blah. But how do you know if you're resisting it? Because like, oh, I don't even know. Maybe this isn't what I want to do. No, no, you're talking, you're, you're putting things together that don't belong together. Yeah. You're, you're putting the resistance with. I don't want to be doing it with voice. And that's not true because apparently you do want to do the voice work. You're just resistant to the work around the work, right? So you're right. asking two questions, making them one. How do I know if voice is for me? Because I'm resistant. You're not resistant to voice. You're resistant to what other people tell you you have to do. Now, is that true? Could be. Does it have to be true? Not always. The reason why is everyone else is going to tell you how they did it. They're going to tell you how they did it and how to do it based upon how they did it. Yeah. Doesn't mean they know. So let's go back to the very beginning of the podcast. Do what you love. And let's make it simpler here <laughs> is I don't like um, all the technical stuff around, like, for example, I don't want to use the software again. I want to do another interview on the software. Um, and you guys saw why prior. We're probably never using the software I'm not using it again either. anymore. But yeah. here's the thing is I don't like tech. It, it's, it's too challenging. It's just a pain in the butt. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So where was I going with this? I got like off track. I'm not wanting to do the marketing. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I have people doing it. I have people doing it for me because I don't want to do it. So my job is to do, like, for example, if I were a voiceover person and I, okay, there's a lot more to unwrap here, but yeah. let, me, let, me, let me take this apart. I don't do things in my business that I don't want to do. That's why I have an entire team that does it. I don't want to do it. I do what I want to do, which is the coaching and the speaking and the training. Okay. So what I don't want to do, I've hired people to do. I don't want to do it. So then I look at you. What if I wanted to be a voiceover artist? What do I want to do? What do I not want to do? What can I outsource out? What can I use a VA for? What can I hire somebody else to do? What can I hire a company to do? I like doing the voiceover, but I don't like doing that. It's the way I'd look at it, the way I'd approach it. And then if, if there were no way out of that, I'd just say, you know, it's just part of the package. And But I w what I would not do is get into, I don't like doing this. I don't like doing it. I, don't, I wouldn't go there at all. Where I would yeah. go is, hey, it's just part of the package, just part of what it is. And what about digging a little deeper on, sometimes I feel like I'm always searching for something to save me. Like, even though I spent an entire life being very independent, well, still, like no, a well, job. No, no, no you're or, not very independent if you're looking for something to save you, because you're looking for something outside of yourself. So if you want yeah. something to save you, get up and go look in the mirror. <laughs> that's, that's the mic only drop? All right. thing. That's the yeah. only thing that's going to save you. People are yeah. looking. Just the being masses. honest, that's how I've been feeling lately. Like I've, I've, I've recognized that I feel like I'm trying to get someone else or something else to save me. But I've yeah. been my whole life super independent and I didn't rely on it, you know, have to rely on anyone. Then why do you need someone to save you? Because it would be easier. <laughs> yeah, but... No, it's it's not. It wouldn't be easier. You ever heard that old phrase before that the hardest money you ever made is when you married for money? Oh, yeah. You know, that's work when you marry for money because there's a whole lot of obligations that come with that. You might think, well, oh, my life's easier because I have the money. But how much do you have to work for that money? I rely on yeah. one person and one person only. Not that I can't rely on other people, but I rely on one person and one person only. Me. Jimmy. Why? Because no one can eat for me. <laughs> no one can eat for me. No one can heal me but me. That's it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, we don't have a lot of what? Yeah. Let's, we have to wrap up. I got another call here in a minute. We have to wrap up. We have, a, yeah. we have a quick little uh, exit of our podcast. It's called It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. It's five quick questions to get to know you better in a fun way. 
Sure. Uh, question number one. Okay, Jim, you, me, and Jason walk into a bar. What do you order? We walk into a bar, and what do I order? Number one is I don't walk in the bars anymore. I don't walk in the public anymore uh, because of the energy. <laughs> so nothing. Because I'm not going to walk in a bar with you. Okay. <laughs> Can't you just pretend, Jim? Well, you're asking and telling you the truth. I'm not walking to a bar with you for the most part. Okay, loud and I'm getting takeout from a bar. And okay. <laughs> I'm going to bring it to your house and it's going to be like no one touched it. What do you, would you, would you order a drink or what would you have? I don't know. Well, what restaurant? What, you know, I, I, okay. Well, I, just, I, I was mean, thinking a beverage. A, a beverage. Um, I don't know if you drink gla- alcohol. I'd, or... I'd have a glass of red wine. All right. The, the, would it be Cabernet? Are you one of those that just says, hey, give me a glass of red wine and you don't specify? Like I'd, the I'd movies? Give me a glass of Merlot. Yeah, give me a glass <laughs> of Merlot. Right. Okay. That's a good answer. Okay, question number two. Have you ever been starstruck? Many years ago, because I've met a lot of people. I, I've been yeah. around many famous. Barbara Streisand, Elizabeth Taylor, Elton John. I've been around a lot of people. Um, Jack Nicholson. Um <laughs> Have I ever been starstruck? <sighs> Trying to think of, like, it's, like you said, is there anybody you want to meet now? Nah, no one. Um, and years ago, like I said, when I was at the Carter Center, I worked in special events in the executive offices, and that was all celebrity events. So I've been around private little conversations of Billy Crystal and American presidents. It's just, I can't say there's anybody that in current history that I would say I'm enamored by being in this person's presence. So I guess as I'm thinking through this, no. And if it comes to me in a minute, I'll tell you, but right now, no. Okay. Uh, Question number three, you get to choose your last meal on earth. What is it? Oh, good Lord, you and food. I mean, we're talking about (laughs) wine a couple of minutes ago. Um, These are just fun questions to get to know you better, Jim. I, something I probably haven't had in a long time. You know what I'm craving, what I, I won't eat because of the sodium content, is like just hamburger helper, macaroni and cheese flavor, which I had Ooh. back when I was in college. Ooh. I was like, I can take this. Jason can too. I was like, I can I can handle some macaroni and cheese. And that stuff's horrible for you and full of sodium. But I used to love that stuff in college. And <laughs> I don't know, macaroni and cheese and a glass of Merlot. I don't know. All right. Sounds good. With Oprah. That's... I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's, oh my God. That's a good question. question. Four. All right. Question number four. Have you ever given up on something? Yeah. This interview's questions. These last five. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was me, uh, uh, Let's see. Um, given up. Well, okay. Defined. I'm going to guess. What do you mean given up? Um, just quit yeah. because you, want, you thought you wanted it, but you just quit? Yeah. Yeah. I've given up on things that I knew were ill-planned not aligned with what I want to create. But as far as doing something that I want to see the outcome and I'm invested emotionally in the outcome, I don't think I've given up on anything because it's just not in me. That's just part of the way that I was, I, no. So yes, if I give it up on things where I'm like, ah, you don't want this anymore. You thought you wanted this and you're happy. You don't want it, you know, you don't want that. You don't want, you know, you don't, this is not important. Yes, for sure giving up. But as far as, sure. as far as like, I, I'm going to make this happen. I'm, I'm relentless. I will yeah. I will do everything I have to do till it's done. So yes and no. Okay. Okay, okay I'm answer. waiting. Right. Bated, bated breath. What is this question number five coming at me? Okay, this is it. Uh, question number five. <laughs> what did you when have for people... breakfast, right? Do you like, do you like cream of wheat? <laughs> What's your middle name? When people um... look back at the life of Jim Fortin, what do you hope they walk away with and remember about you? Don't care. Okay. All right. That was a quick response. Thank you, Jim. That doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't need to create a legacy. It, it, I do what I do. And when I leave, whatever people keep, they keep. Whatever they don't keep, they don't keep. And it's, it's just never been a, a lot of people, especially will say, well, I want to create a legacy. No, I just, it's never appealed to me. I, I guess when I was younger, I did because I wanted to be important or whatever. Now I'm just like, eh, it, it doesn't this little bitty planet it doesn't matter what do i care about what a bunch of other ants think about me yeah. you know we're all like little ants on the planet there's this one little ant hill and there's you know seven billion other ants on it i'm leaving this planet and hopefully well, you do going care about better. impacting people right in the context that's not the question you asked though yeah. you said when okay. you leave and, on yeah, the, okay. and and in my time here let me do what i can do 
But as far as right. when I leave, it's it's out of my hands yeah, at that point. Here. Yeah, so I just do what I do and whatever's going to happen, you've heard me say that, I do what I do and whatever's going to happen as a result of that will happen. So that's okay. the best I can give you on that one. All right. Well, thank you, Sensei Jim thank Ford. You. Uh, yeah, we appreciate your you. time. I realize yeah. how busy you are. It was such a treat for you to come on our podcast. And Absolutely. I really... Well, Jason enjoyed laughing at you, so I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's enjoying enjoyment. There we go. Yeah. And I've enjoyed you too as well. Thank you so much for the invite. And get rid of Zencaster. So the next person. We will. You, you better believe it, Jim. Let's, Do what let's you buy say. some let's buy some stock in Zoom or something. Who knows? <laughs> but, no, seriously. I know. Oh, I know too. Seriously, people listening don't know what we had to go through to get here, but oh well. Anyway. <laughs> right. Anyway, right. thank you guys so much for, for visiting today. I really appreciate the invite. Welcome to the Afterpod, where we talk about our guests after they leave the room. And that was my sensei, Jim Fortin. Um, I can't tell you what went into having him on, him agreeing to be on. <laughs> and I will say in the very beginning, so we use this program Zencaster and you have to have Google Chrome and Jim had a lot of issues downloading Google Chrome. So he wasn't, he wasn't in the greatest mood when he came on. No. But anyway, I guess he was awesome. Uh, but I did have so much expectation on this that I feel like it sort of ruined my experience a little bit. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. Isn't that fun? That is so fun. I went in with zero expectations. So everything that I experienced <laughs> or we experienced <laughs> was kind of my own thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I mean, originally we were doing the podcast and then I was going to do a one-on-one with Jim. But because of timing, I sort of had to throw my one-on-one in the middle of the podcast. So that was a little different. Uh, Normally, it would have been a very private conversation. But I really am so grateful for Jim. You know, I can't, I I can't, I want to say I know this guy really well. I I know him to some degree because I've been in his program. But this is definitely someone who, he doesn't even do one-on-one coaching anymore. He certainly doesn't pop on people's podcasts. And he's a busy guy. So I'm very grateful that he took the time to be on the podcast and... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't even really know what else to say. I did have some expectation that I wanted him to be our best friend. And um, (laughs) he doesn't even want to meet us at a bar. So I don't know that. He's not inviting us over for any red wine anytime soon. Is the only disappointment that I have. That he is not my best friend. He's not texting me uh, after this podcast to say, hey, let's, you know, BFF it up. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. He can just remain my sensei and, um, <laughs> and we survive. But that's there's a right. lot of things he said to me, uh, to us during the podcast that I, I think I do make, I, I'm, there's certain aspects of my life that I'm making way harder than they need to be. And sure. there's a huge lesson in, um, really looking at your life and, and like I love how he said you really got to take hard out of your vocabulary how many times do we say like oh that's gonna be hard or Ugh, exercising is hard or that's whatever that's so hard that was hard hard, hard. yeah yeah right. and I love him saying just because other people tell you something doesn't mean it's true and yeah that can go for career but that can go for personal life so many things he's got a lot of of intuition about life and and the only person who's going to save you is you you so jason you don't have to save me anymore okay jim said it's okay for me to just save myself <laughs> that's good <laughs> i still want you to make a million dollars but you know that's another side side oh item. shucks and yeah right <laughs> oh how did gosh. you feel i mean it was weird because i've been involved with him for so long I did want to, oh, he brought up um, an artist in our group, Joan, but her name is Joan Marie. Just wanted to plug her a little bit. Yeah, it's Joan Marie Art. And during TCP, 
he got her to realize, you know, she was, he always says she was uh, painting Hello Kitty stuff, but I guess it wasn't. It was more like Comic-Con sort of stuff, but now she's really digging into her spirituality. She does a lot of personal power portraits. You can find her. It's at Joan Marie Art if you want to check it out. But anyway, any wrap up about Jim before we head out of here? Fortenheimer. Can I write that song about his last name? Yeah, sure. Okay. He'll love it's, it. I mean, I might, we might, you know, there might be a cease and desist. <laughs> cease, <laughs> yeah, cease I have a feeling desist. that we might receive a cease and desist just from Jim Fort altogether. And so enjoy yeah. this podcast while it's still on. Yeah. Um, they may make <laughs> us pull it. Right. His wranglers may uh, yeah. say, uh, yeah, that was really great that Jim. Oh, by the way, I want to say Jim has a whole team of people. He arranged being on this podcast just himself in on, yeah. on Facebook DM. Which is kind of <laughs> Which wild. also felt weird. But um, yeah. yeah, it was an interesting experience. But I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just going to, all the things that he said, I'm going to let it sink in. And I hope you, dear listener, you do the same because he's got a wealth of information in there. And tune into his podcast. Uh, that's really what hooked me into him, the Jim Fortin podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's a good Every one. block you have is mental. So get rid of them. <laughs> You know how you get rid of them? It's a choice. You just do it. How are you happy? You just choose to be happy. See how Weird. simple that is? No. Uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, another great podcast. Uh, let's. So that was like a huge guest I had been sort of dreaming and working on. Now we got to find another one that's like, wow, if we get that person, that would be crazy. Yeah, that's right. That's the next step. Yep. And we can do it. Based That's off right. of what we just talked about and what he told us, Jim we Ford will. always says 100% possible 100% of the time. Yeah. All right. Gotta love well, it. Till next time. Till then. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Have To podcast. The best way you can help us is share the show. Tell people about it. Share it with your friends on your socials and also leave us a great iTunes review. Just Google Cuz I Have To podcast iTunes. Go to the bottom of the page and there's your review section. Make it good, will ya? Find us on Instagram at Cuz I Have To podcast and email us, especially if you know someone living their dharma and you think they'd be a great guest on the show. It's Cuz I Have To podcast at Gmail. And oh, we do love those voice messages. You can leave us one at anchor.fm slash cause I have to. Keep living those dreams, friends, cause you have to. Till next time.